When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. Welcome in. You guys know the drill. First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. Every team, every game, every week coming to you after a surprisingly competitive Chiefs-Jets Sunday night football game. Taylor Swift was there, Pony. We'll get your thoughts in a second. I don't know if you've heard. She's a big star. Chiefs win. Do not cover. Zach Wilson plays well. One big mistake. Very controversial call on Sauce Gardner. Chiefs prevail. I think Robert Sala uh, was going to have an aneurysm on the sideline over that Sauce Gardner call. I wanted to see Zach. I wanted to see the Chiefs kick a field goal and Zach Wilson get a shot at redemption down six. I feel like we were robbed at the end of the game. I don't even think they should have been in position to run out the clock because on that third and 22 run, I thought there was a pretty obvious offensive holding penalty that happened on that play that they just blatantly missed. Uh, So Salah's got a right to be pissed off. There are no moral victories. Coaches will say that, but I think the Jets have to love what they saw in this game. Uh, I know they're one in three. At at 17 to nothing, I thought we were going to tape this podcast early. Did you think we were going to have to watch three hours of football tonight? I didn't. I thought it was going to be a laugher, a non-competitive game, similar to what we saw last week when you were in Kansas City to watch the Bears play the Chiefs. And then what ended up happening tonight instead was that Zach Wilson outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Which Did anybody have that on their football bingo card for this Sunday? No, that was, I mean, Mahomes had some very uncharacteristic underthrown interceptions that he, he like, he clearly on the one that he was trying to loft down to the right sideline. He just said to himself, throw the effing ball. Like he didn't put anything on that ball. Super weird. But then at the end of the game, running down the field, you know what I mean? Just doing what needs to be done, converting. Yeah. You said there could have been a holding there. Fine. But converting third and 20 plus with your legs when you're not Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields. It's pretty ballsy stuff. Pacheco was awesome. 
Um, no, I'm listen. I, I watched the Chiefs defense kick the crap out of the Bears and be a top ten defense in the NFL. They were the sixth ranked DVOA defense coming into the game. I did not expect Zach Wilson to be able to move the ball on multiple drives. So doing that against that defense, even though they were at home, I thought very impressive uh, by the Jets overall. I mean, one and three in a tough AFC might not be enough to overcome, but Rodgers told the sideline reporter before the game he expects to play football this year. And I know that like people get annoyed when the broadcast like talks about celebrities or Aaron Rodgers and like people that are not actually on the field, but I've just been so close to the Rodgers thing for so long, Pony. Like the the narrative around the Packers and Packers fans, they would say like he wasn't a good teammate at the end. He was not, you know, he was not teaching the receivers the hand signals, he was a distraction, he was a diva, all of those things. For him to fly five hours across the country from where he's rehabbing in California, surprise the team, give a speech, be on the field in crutches, then be up in the box, like clearly invested in it. From Jump Street this offseason, he's clearly been trying to be the model citizen and perfect teammate for the Jets. So while I don't think the 40-year-old's going to come back from the torn Achilles this year, it is interesting to see him fully engaged in being a good teammate. Yeah, if it's a 405 game against the Raiders and not Monday night football against the Chiefs with Taylor Swift there, I don't think Rodgers does anything. Like yeah, I don't think he I don't I don't I don't think he's there next so, week. Like I think he's flying back yeah. to California to continue. No no but but I think, you know, apparently the message. He and the wanted the publicity was- that came with this game tonight. That's who he is. I'm not giving him any kind of special credit for being there. I think he. I think that that is the absolutely the cynical way to look at it. But also we talk about like a desperate team needing a game. He apparently was like, I'm going to surprise the team and give that. He gave the, the, pre, the talk Saturday night at the team meeting. Like he showed up for his team. I like it. I just think that the Zach Wilson point can't be articulated strong enough. They were down 17 to nothing. There's 75,000 people there that hate his guts and want him benched because he sucks. And he went out there and probably made five to 10 throws that the other guy would have been praised for making in this game. Want like back against the wall, there was probably a 17 nothing, at least a little bit of thought to go to Tim Boyle. And the dude went out there and played his butt off. And I'll say this about the Jets and Zach Wilson if Aaron Rodgers were the quarterback, they could easily be in the same spot they're in now. When the schedule came out, they did no favors toward the Jets. They're one and three. They could have been one and three with this schedule with Rodgers. If they had found a way to win this game, could you have imagined if they had two wins over the Chiefs and Bills right now? Given how, I mean, the, the Jets are actually not really in that bad of a spot, all things considered. And for the Chiefs, two things. Their offensive line and their wide receivers. If they're going to win a Super Bowl and go back-to-back, Taylor's the, he almost caused them to lose the game. They had all the momentum in the world And I don't want to hear about, well, it shouldn't have been a face mask penalty. Dude, you're one of the highest paid offensive linemen in the league. And he's most penalized. In that spot. Should have been benched maybe for a third consecutive week. And then their wide receivers flat out blow. And they need to do, my buddy Justin Watson, who's a fan of the show, 
might be their best wide receiver. Their wide receivers stink, and they need to do something about that between now and the trade deadline if they're going to go back-to-back. He's a fan of this show? He might be. He <laughs> listens to me. All right. Well, you said fan of the show. I didn't know. I don't know if he was a fan of first and pod. I think it's possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. He might be watching this right now as, as he wakes up Monday morning after a close win, shout out to Justin Watson, Ivy league educated, big time player, smart guy. I don't know if you've heard, but we we don't, we don't kiss each other's fannies on this show. Is that right? That's been, that's that's that that's his favorite thing about it. That's (laughs) yeah. He was going to uh, yeah, out, but then he f- found out about the lack of fanny kissing, and it made him <laughs> a first in pot. We got to we got to do something about that promo. It <laughs> says we do every team, every game, every week, and then you go all thirty-two teams. It's like, yeah, that's that's what every team is. There's, that's the point. There's there's thirty-two of them. Um, I live bet the Chiefs minus four and a half, and then Mahomes slid inside the three-yard line instead of scoring. That Loved was. It. That, yeah, of course. Of course. It's just really annoying. Um, also, just on the Zach Wilson point, too, the two-point conversion run was badass. Like, he just – he made a lot of plays. He was he was very, very impressive. But Sala is going to escape a lot of criticism, by the way. Down 10 nothing. Oh, the fourth punts and, and stuff. Fourth, yeah. Fourth yeah. and one from the 41 punt. Down 17-2, to two, fourth and three, short field goal. Like – they had juice and they had offense without their coach showing a lick of trust in them in the first half. That that game easily could have been tied at halftime if he would have had some aggression in the first quarter and the early second quarter. Thought it was pretty weak by him early. All right, let's get to the games. Miami Buffalo game of the day ends up being a blowout. We called it on the preview pod. What's the biggest superlative? you're willing to hang on Buffalo who you said you would be impressed by if they won and they won by four touchdowns. Well, they're back to being who I thought they were at this time last year, which is good enough to clearly make the playoffs, win the AFC East and be a part of that conversation. Uh, I started the year thinking that they were going to be one of the teams with hype that missed the playoffs straight away. That's going to end up being probably one of the teams that was in the AFC championship game last year, who we'll get to later on in the show. But that's where I put them now. Like I have to concede that argument. They are still a legitimate team. They are not going to win like eight games this year. I had them in third place in the AFC East when the season started behind the Jets and Dolphins. That's not going to happen unless there's some kind of catastrophic Josh Allen injury that happens between now and the last few weeks. He looks awesome. And their defense. Their uh, defense, man. Yeah, Sean McDermott's mm-hmm. taken over the play calling. That's what got him hired as a head coach in the first place. Yep. Tredavious White has a terrible injury. Micah Hyde didn't play. And they took after Miami. It looked like Miami early in the game was going to go touchdown for touchdown with them. They settled in. They got after Tua. They force turnovers. Uh, they let that crowd be a factor in the game. And I thought that they would really like being the underdog in this game and feeling like they were the team that was getting no respect. And then if you saw a lot of the stuff they said after the game, they absolutely played that up with like that 
uh, that like meme thing with the guy grabbing his chin. Did you see that? Like, yeah, Josh Allen, Allen did it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they clearly paid attention to the fact that everybody was on the Dolphins hype train and used that to their advantage in this game. So you're probably going to say something like much bigger about the Bills and where this puts them, but I've got them solidly now as a playoff team after this win. I mean, listen, if we do power rankings, I don't know how you could not have them in your top five in the NFL. Like, Would you put them ahead of the Chiefs? Yeah, right now. Right now right now in this Ooh. moment. Dude, their defense looks great. Well, the Chiefs did for I know. the first three and a half games defensively. I know. I know. Listen, I'd love to. I if it or was baseball games. If it was if it was baseball and they played seven games in seven consecutive weeks, I think it would go to a seventh game. Like I, I think I think those teams are right there with each other right now. But this is the most impressive win that either of the two teams has so far this year. Holding Miami to twenty is incredibly impressive, and they flustered Tua. That interception he threw in the third quarter was terrible. Yep. He, he was he was sped up routinely in this game. They made Tyreek Hill basically an afterthought in the game, which, I mean, the guy was the odds-on favorite to be offensive player of the year coming in. The white the Tredavious White injury is obviously not good. Every team's going to deal with injuries. That's a, that's a bad one for them. Diggs looked like, if that game was close, that he could have – had five touchdowns. I mean, he was the best player on the field. Yep. Uh, he was absolutely remarkable. Him and Josh Allen, so much of the talk why people were selling stock in Buffalo. Was their chemistry. Was their chemistry. And just people reading into, frankly, bullshit media narrative, like weird talk in the offseason. I'm guilty of that. I know you are. I know you are. I'm not even subtweeting you. I'm saying it right to you. And... They they looked amazing. Like he, I mean, they could have thrown the ball to him every single play, every route he wanted. He was getting wide open. He was just cooking the the Dolphins secondary. So I like we do like what's more impressive? Like what's the bigger story? The team that won or the team that lost? I think for Buffalo, you could do what was more impressive: the offense hanging forty eight or the defense holding them to twenty, because those were both A plus efforts. Like that was that was an A game from an A team that I wouldn't say is the best team in the NFL. I wouldn't pick them to win the Super Bowl right now, but they have the most impressive win of an AFC contender at this point. So given that I think all of the AFC teams have like a little bit of flaws, you just talked about some of them with the Chiefs, I would power rank them as number one in the AFC. All right, so Washington and Philly is next. And your question here is, how does Ron Rivera, who's known as a riverboat Ron, not go for two after a touchdown, made it a one-point game with no time left in regulation. Baffling. So there's other things we could talk about in the game. I'm down for it. It was There was a lot of things that happened here. Um, isn't it conventional wisdom, the worst team on the road scores – you go for the win in regulation when it's literally zeros on the clock. There's not like 40 seconds on the clock where if you get it, they can get a return, get a pass, get a pass, kick a field goal. There were literally zeros on the clock. One play, two yards, win the game, upset the NFC champions who were the favorites in your own division. 
And after the game, he said, we were tired. He said we were tired. Yeah, what was their defense then? If you were tired, what? what... Insane. Like, just in, and he hasn't been Riverboat Ron for a while. Like, he's become pretty conservative. But just, that is so weak. Wouldn't that answer? It was a high-scoring game. It's 31-31. What are you doing? Somebody's got to ask, and he'll probably... I'm 99.9% sure he'll give the appropriate answer, but there's that off chance he might say something and give it away in his tone or the way he answers the question. Somebody's got to ask the enemy this week what he would have done in that situation when he talks. Because I saw that and I thought, is this a situation where they're just going to fire Rivera at the end of the year and promote the enemy? Doesn't it kind of feel that way right now? You that's, got a new that's owner a there. Great question. Because you got a new owner there. He like I know last week was a disaster, but look at what the Bills just did to the Dolphins. Overall, without re- a real quarterback, it's a fifth round pick quarterback. I know they went there last year and won, so they've got a good matchup going against Philadelphia. But still, like you bring in Eric Bieniemy to dial up some kind of creative play there. You've worked on two-point conversion plays all summer for that moment. And to not do it, to win the game, lack of aggression, it almost made me feel, Danny, like Ron Rivera was looking at it like, let's see what happens in overtime. I know how the new rules work. If we tie this game, that's a win for us. That's what was going through my head when he decided to kick the extra point. I mean, I'll take the man at his word that he factored in fatigue. I I, I can't take him at his word at his word on that. But it's just it's just it, even with the new rules, it's ridiculous because if you drive down and score a touchdown, you lose this game. It wasn't sixteen sixteen. It was. It and they're a, not tired because it's not like they were down big points and had to like make all kinds of crazy plays in the fourth quarter to win. And their offense was just going nonstop. That's not even true. Yeah. It, it was, but just like, if you, now they win the coin toss, they had first shot at it in, in overtime, but like, how could you possibly argue in a 31 31 game that your odds are better to win a coin toss and score a touchdown or lose a coin toss, get a stop, and kick a field goal. What's the conversion rate on two-point conversions in the NFL? Like slightly above 50%? Yeah, it's like 49, 51. It's right around there. Yeah. It's insane. It's 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 just a completely insane decision. And somebody should have had the balls in that press conference to say to him, Ron, if I told you before the game started that you had one play with your offense on the field to win the game, would you have taken that? And of course he would have. So just call your best two-point play and win the game right there. Yeah. Don't play to extend the game. It's just – it's one of those things that I just – I wouldn't be able to get over if I'm a Washington fan. Well, and what's going to happen with that is that's going to cloud what was overall a really good game by them today. It was a great game. That's what I'm saying. It was a huge missed opportunity. It's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, One thing on Philly – you kind of raised your eyebrows at me when I said that I think I would pick Detroit to beat them heads up right now. 
there's something wrong with their defense. Like the the defensive line is still great, but I think the secondary and the pass defense, like they let Mac Jones get back into it in that game in in week one. Uh-huh. And Tampa did nothing against them. Cousins, you know, that was they scored 28 in a loss. And then Washington is able to go up and down the field on him in this game when we're not that far removed from Sam Howell being sacked nine times and throwing four picks. Like, Philly, they're very, very talented, obviously. And their offense is spectacular. But I just, through a quarter of the season, my antenna's up on just, like, downgrading their stock a little bit. Yeah, I I just feel like, unlike San Francisco, and maybe a little bit like Kansas City, we're talking about October 1st, and I just feel like they're doing thing. They're doing enough to win games, but they're not 100% invested in playing their best football right now. They get big leads. They give it back like against Minnesota. Today, they were in a matchup, I think, where they took the opponent lightly, and it created a game where they needed to really fight tooth and nail to win. I just wonder about that. Like, I don't see a killer instinct with this team. I don't see a team that's on a mission to dominate from start to finish. I see a team that's trying to pace itself to get to the finish line is what I see with them right now. As good a theory as any. All right, Bears-Broncos. If you were me me tomorrow, 2 o'clock hits. The Bears are 0-4. You also own the Panthers pick. They're 0-4. Would you be advocating for the Bears to lose out for Caleb Williams? Well, I think he's going to end up playing college football again next year because all the money that's going to be there. Stop it. From the college ranks. Um, Would I be advocating for them to lose out if I'm you? No, I wouldn't. I don't think I would. Because if I'm you, I'm pot committed on, on Justin Fields. And that would be a very difficult conversation to have tomorrow because isn't every positive comment you make just met with it was against the Broncos? And what is the rebuttal back to that? If if I'm you. Like, yeah, I mean, Danny, he completed 13 of 13 passes or whatever it was with three touchdowns. But this team gave up 70 last week. Like, isn't that... Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I am, I am not doing that, but there is an immense amount of pressure because I was the captain of the lose out crowd last year in a year where there was no generational quarterback prospect to lead the charge again, because a lot of Bears fans are there, but Fields was brilliant today, but it was against the worst defense statistically in the NFL. Did you think that interception was on him at the end of the game? Uh, I based on what he said post game, it was not he didn't like point the finger, but he explained what happened and then said but ultimately it's on me. But I guess him and Komet, he was expecting Komet to do like one of the Travis Kelsey things, like read what the defender's doing and then adjust the route on the fly and he didn't do it. That was my take watching it live. He said, yeah, Field said the safety was playing it over the top deep. So he was supposed to break off his route and he didn't do it. And he's like, well, so ultimately it's on me because I threw the pass, but 
obviously in that explanation, it's on Komet. Um, but he was great. I mean, he was 15 of 16 in the first half. And the only incompletion was the Hail Mary at the end of the half. Yep. He was doing what we've been asking him to do for two years, which was use his legs to set up his passing game. All like right. So answer your question. Are you going to advocate for Caleb no. Williams? No, no, I'm not. No. Like, listen, if the Bears get the number one pick and they draft Caleb Williams, I will have the personalized jersey made on the spot. And if the season gets worse, I might make the jersey in week seven or week nine of this football season. You know what I mean? Like, I would be ecstatic to root for Caleb Williams. But I'm not completely done on Justin Fields. I'm going I'm, it's like to – it's like if Bitcoin crashes to zero, I'm going to hold on to it all the way into the ground. Like, and – they could still get it with the Panthers pick. And here's what I look at it as. Like, they have a short week against Washington. We just talked about how their defense can give up a ton of points. Then they get the Vikings. Nothing special defensively. Then they get Vegas. Then they get the Chargers. Those are the next four games. And then it's the trade deadline. So, four games against four bad defenses after you just played the worst defense. Like, build on this. Build on it. Be a, be a star player for the next four games against bad defenses and make sure that they don't have to do what they did last year, like trading Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith this year. It would be like trading Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney, you know? So he's got, he's got four games to, to build on this game. Cause he was awesome today. He was. They Sick. showed Ryan Pohl celebrating one of the touchdowns in the uh, owner's box or wherever his suite is today. Yeah. I would have stayed home today if I were him with the chase Claypool situation i don't think i would have showed my face there that now there's a report they're going to trade him for a fifth or sixth round pick what a disaster i told but, you that from day one yeah dude because i was friends with you i was able to crush that trade on the air right when it happened people were like you said you were clamoring for offense and that they needed to get help for fields he trades and gets help for fields and you hate it now what are which one is it parkins you're never going to be happy i'm like this guy sucks i stole yeah. your take before you even gave me your take <laughs> I, know, I know what you thought about Claypool. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Speaking of Pittsburgh Steelers football. Yep. Should we just make the Steelers Texans segment of the podcast about CJ Stroud so you can avoid accountability for all your ridiculous no. penny picket takes? No, because that's a disservice to our listeners. Honestly, this game, and I know Pickett got hurt and might not play for a couple of weeks on what was an outrageous call on fourth and one to have him shotgun uh, in that situation. It's not this game and he was not good. I'm not going to try to stand, sit up here and make excuses for Pickett. This game was not about Pickett. It was much bigger than that. This game's about, and I've said this since we started doing the podcast together. And I feel like most of the time I'm just shouting into like an airplane hanger where no one can hear me, where I'm like, why won't people listen when I say repeatedly that Tomlin is an overrated coach? 
He hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. They just lost by 24 to the Texans with a rookie head coach and a quarterback starting his fourth game. They're not going to win a playoff game this year. That'll be seven in a row. He wanted this quarterback. He wanted a running back in the first round two years ago. He employs the worst offensive coordinator. Even Luke Getze has a better resume than the guy that calls the plays here with the Steelers offense. He has not hired an innovative, young, enterprising, forward-thinking offensive coordinator since he's been the head coach here in 2007. In, in the national media, finally, is starting to catch on to it. Belichick and Tomlin are very, very similar. And it's interesting to me that Belichick is gets murdered, as he should. We'll get to them in a minute, in a minute here, as he should. But that guy's got six Super Bowls. This guy's got one, but because they limp their way to eight and eight or nine and eight, he gets credit at the end of the day. He builds the roster here. He picks the team. So I thought I thought today was a failure of his regime at this point. That you go to a place like Houston and you're completely non-competitive this afternoon. And there are very few, and I know Ryan's might be an exception to the rule, but there are just very few defensive head coaches that are winning in today's NFL, Danny. I think the game's passed him by, honestly. He's been here for a long time now. He's not the young, cool, hip, young coach anymore. Well, I got to say the press conference still sounds great. I love when he says after the game, of course, there will be changes. Whereas Matt Eberflus after the game is like, oh, we're making progress. <laughs> you know, I saw a lot of good things out there. Um, when he says that there are going to be changes, what do you think that means? Like, what, what change is he announcing tomorrow at his Monday presser? Nothing. He's not going to do anything. I think that's a lip service thing. I'd be very, I'd be very surprised. Their whole, their whole mantra is pretty hard on it, man. I know, dude, but their whole mantra as an organization is stability. You could could change a play caller, you know, maybe, maybe pick it having to sit out a few games. He'll say that's, that's, you know, we're going to give him a reset. He can learn from the sidelines or something. He's got, he's, he's probably got a torn MCL, so he doesn't have a choice. They're going to have to play Trubisky on Sunday against the Ravens, whether he wants to or not. Um, There's just, with the amount of money they've spent on defensive players, they had zero sacks against the defensive line, against an offensive line today that had third string left tackle, third string left guard, third string center. Uh, They come down, they they have a 12 play drive against your defense for a touchdown to start the game. I mean, have your team ready to play. It was, in my opinion, it was the worst loss that any team had today to get beat like that in a game you were favored by 24. Quickly on Stroud, no interceptions in 151 passing attempts. So a rookie, a rookie record, one second, and second most yards in four games for a rookie ever behind only Cam Newton. I Cam Newton, and he, I think, I think he passed Luck and Herbert with the game he had today. Danny, don't we have to? And, and he's been, he's been great, but don't we have to start to think about it being a system thing here too? It's it's the passing game coordinator from San Francisco last year. That dude's going to get a head coaching job. Bobby Slowick, you want to talk about Johnson in Detroit? If C.J. Stroud has this kind of year, he ain't going to be the Texans' offensive coordinator next year. He might be the Bears' head coach yeah. if this keeps up. 
Uh, this San Francisco thing, I brought this up uh, on social media. So now it's the San Francisco offensive system has outscored the Steelers 60 to 13 in two games with a rookie quarterback and with Brock Purdy. It's just amazing what those guys under Kyle Shanahan have been able to do. And Mike McDaniel too, obviously. It's just, is the whole league going to be Shanahan disciples in like three years? It kind of feels like it. Yeah, it does. I mean, he. you watched every pass of the game. Did it feel like it was totally schemed open or did Stroud do anything that you saw? As no, I mean, he's right? very composed. I mean, he's that's, extremely that's what composed. I, that's what I see. I, but I so is Purdy. Per, per, yes, per, Purdy, Purdy is composed as well. So you, you think that that is taught composure? I think that, yeah, I think when there's a confidence in the system and you know where guys are going to be, yeah. I mean, I don't have another explanation for it given their offensive line issues that he looked that good. I mean, I don't want to like completely take everything away from the guy, but if it were another, you know, if D'Amico Ryans had hired some retread offensive coordinator and he was doing this, I wouldn't make this point, but I've just got so much respect now for the way they did things in San Francisco that I can't help but think that that has something to do with his early season success. All right, Bengals-Titans. Is the Bengals season over? Uh, You know, I think that what happened in this game today is they put so much energy into Monday night's game against LA because they, when Burrow said this after the game, they rightfully recognized what 0-3 meant to to fall three games under 500 this early in the season. I think they went after that game so hard. They had almost nothing left in the tank. And and I, I I warned you when we talked about this on Thursday. I didn't think Tennessee was a good matchup in that situation. Tennessee coming off a bad loss back at home. They were going to beat the shit out of the Bengals today and make them earn it. They've got the fewest offensive touchdowns in the league. I'm, I just, at what point, like this is the old, this is the question that's been asked since football started. When you've got a quarterback or you've got a star player, at what point is he a detriment to the team while he tries to play at less than 100%? And I think we're watching that right now with Burrow, Danny. And and T. Higgins fractures his ribs today. Yeah, but, good point. But Even worse. The, the only thing I'll say, the, the reason I'll answer no, but it's on life support. They get Arizona and then Seattle at home and then the bye. They easily could sit three and three and get healthy during the bye and go on a little bit of a run. You like both those teams, though. You like Arizona and Seattle. I, I, I'm listen, I'm not. They lose one of them, they're in huge trouble. I'm not saying they're going to be three and three, but if, if you had to pick a scenario for them to win two games, two NFC opponents. Arizona, and then a team with a horrible pass defense at home heading into a bye. A team, you know what I mean? You don't you don't feel like Burrow's going to get beat up in those two games. You know, it, it feels like a decent spot to you know, eat your way to three and three and then reset at the bye. I, I don't think the season's over. They're just, they're in big, big, big we, we saw We saw the Jags come back from two and six to make the playoffs last year. I bet you if you told the Bengals players, listen, you're going to lose the next two games. 
with Burrow out of the lineup, you're going to be one in five. But the three weeks off is going to get him as close to 100% as he'll be all year. I think they take that. And then just at one in five, I know it's a humongous hole, but now you've got Burrow coming back. And he's got, that's why I told you before this game, I thought they should have benched him. I, I just think they should bench him through the bye week. And if that doesn't fix it, well, then this is just a lost year for them. But having him go, he didn't have any injury designation this week. I, I've, I've seen that. Like people are saying, don't use the injury excuse card for Burrow. I'm sorry. I've seen the guy play enough games where I know when he's not right. Something's badly off about this guy. And I think the way to fix it is not to ask him to gut it out every week. It's to give him a chance to recoup, recuperate, and then go from there. So, but now, like right now, if they're going to keep doing it this way, I do think their season is over. All right. Let's go to, uh, the Niners and cards. San Francisco has scored 30 plus games in seven straight. First team in more than a decade to do that. Should they be the Super Bowl favorites over the Chiefs? Yes. I don't know how they're not the best team in the NFL, even though they have Brock Purdy, dude. And like, I know that Brock Purdy throws passes sometimes that are not intercepted. He's got a horseshoe up his ass. But 30 plus points in seven straight games. They're well coached. They have dominant offensive line, dominant defensive line, dominant skill position players. And a quarterback who, to your point, knows the system, doesn't take sacks and gets the ball out quick. So, like, yeah, he might at some point have some interception regression. That's certainly possible. Um, And it's probable, actually. But he doesn't take negative plays. Like, you know what I mean? And like, like he doesn't. They are. I think they would kick the shit out of the Eagles if they played next week. Like, I, I don't think I don't think it would be competitive right now. I think that they are far and away the best team in the NFC. And obviously, in an AFC situation, you'd run into a juggernaut offense who maybe a Chiefs team, a Bills team, a Dolphins team, whomever, would get into a shootout with them. But before today, uh, the Chiefs were favored, the, the Super Bowl favorites over them. They were plus 550, and the Niners were plus 600. And I just, I don't think you can make that argument right now. I think they are clearly the best team in football. If I were a Niners fan, I would have this kind of negative outlook on things. I would want the Super Bowl to be right now. I would want the playoffs to start next week. I just feel like it's very difficult for teams to play at, at to this level for five months. We saw New England, even their undefeated season, by the time they got to December, they were barely winning games against a horrible Ravens team and a Giants team in week 17, like they were much better in September and October than they were in December and January. We saw the Bills last year peaked way too soon. And part of it was Allen's UCL injury, I know. But like, I I, I, I think you're right. Like they are the best team in the NFL right now. But I would not pick them to win the Super Bowl. This well, second. see, I'm going the other way with you on this, man. 
I if I was doing our buddy Nick Wright's show tomorrow, and I'm not saying that he well, you know, these guys they, they want their takes to stand out, right? It's a good good way to do the business. Oh, and is that how it works? You want to I'm just say saying unique things that make you okay. visible, yes. <laughs> that is pretty much how it works. It is pretty much okay, right. But you also want to really believe it. It feels to me like they genuinely felt like they were the better team than Philly last year. And if they had a quarterback, they would have won that game. Yeah, of course. I'm on 17 and 0 watch for them. Dude, oh. they're kicking the shit out of everybody. Yeah, but I understand. Because you're talking about peaking too early. I think this is the type of team that is saying, no, no, no. It's like that scene in Remember the Titans. Run it up, Herman. Leave no doubt. Like, I, I think for a while, they have actually been the best roster in the NFL. But Mahomes exists, and he's the best player in the world, and Reed's the best coach in the world. You know what I mean? But, like, they've had Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy and injuries at the quarterback position, but they've been the best 53-man roster. And it feels like this year they're trying to make a statement. It's like, don't forget about us. That's what I think. Usually they have early season adversity. They haven't yet. The McCaffrey uh, explosion, he, he would be my pick to an offensive player of the year. If I had to give out the award right now through the first quarter of the season, I would give it to him. Uh, his injury history, though, and the position he plays would also frighten me. Could they win with Elijah Mitchell? Of course. We've seen them do it with Jeff Wilsons and guys like that at running back. But he's just, he's elevated their offensive play so much since he got there. And given what his injury past looked like in Carolina, I would be very wary of that. Like, right, I, let me, I let me just go, let me just run through the schedule real quick for you. Yep. Next Sunday night, home against Dallas. Obviously a marquee game, but it's at home. In Cleveland, in Minnesota, home against Cincinnati, then a bye. In Jacksonville, home against Tampa, in Seattle, in Philly, but in Philly off of a Thursday night game. So 10 days of rest before they go to Philly. Home against Seattle. In Arizona, home against Baltimore, in Washington, home against the Rams. I'm going to make a prediction. I think they lose at least five games. You are out of your mind. I'm going to say that. You write off those games. I think they could go two and two in their next four. And I know they've looked like the best team in football. All right. You want to make make a three? You want to set the number at three and a half? Wins or losses the rest of the way? Yeah. 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 I'll go over that. No problem. All right. 100 bucks? Sure. All right. All right. I like that. That's a fun bet. Spencer, you got to remember these bets, please. Dallas in, in New England, your question here after the Cowboys opened a can of whoop-ass on the Patriots, is Mac Jones their starter next year? No, I said, uh, is he a starter? Oh, like in is the he, NFL? Is he a starter in the NFL next year? No. No, that's an easy one. That's the easiest question we've asked so far on today's show. He's done. I um, think so, too. Yeah. I, so. think, I, th- I think he is not a starter in the NFL next So, year. I talked – I was thinking about this. Last week, we talked about 
Um, and I know this is a this is a this is going to be a, a question we ask off another game. I told you that I thought Kirk Cousins would fit in Atlanta. I think Kirk Cousins could end up in New England. Now it would be a lot of money for Belichick to give a quarterback who's not considered like a top five or top eight guy. But what are his alternatives? I mean, what are the options there? Is he going to want to start? He's tr- chasing Don Shula. He's getting older. He's trying to, w- to prove that he can win without Tom Brady. Does he have the Does he have the patience to go with a young guy? And it's not going to be a Caleb Williams or Drake May. It's probably not even going to be Shador Sanders or somebody like that. Riley Leonard. You know, we're talking about maybe the fourth or fifth quarterback again in this draft, unless they move up and give up picks or something like that, which he usually wants more extra picks and not giving up his picks. So I thought when Bella, when Bill O'Brien was hired there, it was put up or shut up time for Mac Jones. And I thought that he showed signs of progress in the first two games. I would say he's badly regressed the Cowboys defense. We know how good it is. And Dan Quinn, they forced turnovers. If you watch that game today, a lot of it was just Mac Jones playing like absolute dog crap. He was making insane decisions. Yep. And I know his offensive line stinks. The wrong hash mark. His offensive line stinks and he can't move. But he was just making horrible decisions all game. Well, he, just, he doesn't have the arm strength to throw the ball back across the field. No. Like, what does he do? He gets away with one and then he does three more and he throws two picks and there should have been three. Like, it was, it was. He was reckless. And I know they're down big, and so there's a little bit of desperation. New England is in. I mean, I know you said it's not going to be Caleb Williams or Drake May. Judon having a serious injury is real bad for them, though. Like, we don't know how serious it is, but it sounds serious enough. So, he. I mean, he's, an, he's a top 10 defensive player in football. So, I think they are in big trouble, and I definitely – I think Mac Jones is – but I, my guess is he is a backup for like 10 years. Like I, don't, I don't think he's out of the league, but I definitely think he's out as a starter. What are you smirking at? Um, all right. Baltimore-Cleveland. Mr. AFC North over here. How impressed are you with Baltimore putting up 28 on Cleveland, number one defense in the NFL, despite all their injuries? Not as, not as much as you'd think. I really believe... And I and Thompson Robinson, the backup quarterback for the Browns, played really well in the preseason. And that's what made Josh Dobbs expendable in the eyes of the Browns, even though I think after watching today, they'd like that move back. Um, I think what happened with Deshaun Watson took the win completely out of Cleveland's sails today. It shouldn't. Their defense should have looked at it as like, okay, we're, we've we've looked we're we've been the best defense in the league through three weeks. Now we've got even more pressure on us to win. Let's go out and show everybody that we're worth all of the praise and credit we've gotten. But something about what happened with Deshaun Watson this week just doesn't seem right to me. There really were no concerns or alarm bells that sounded until he on Friday, didn't throw a pass. And then all of a sudden people were like, well, wait a minute. That's weird. Maybe he's not going to play on Sunday, but then it was, oh, he'll be fine. They're just being precautious with things. He's having fatigue in his shoulder. They're just trying to like keep him on a pitch count and limit him 
during the week. Uh, I think it was an abrupt thing when they found out that he wasn't going to play. And I just think that that was a, I just think that that was a jarring decision that carried over into the game today. And the dude threw a terrible interception right from the very beginning of the game. So yeah, I mean, there were big down th- downfield plays by Lamar Jackson to receivers. Mark Andrews caught two touchdown passes. It was a thorough victory, but I, I look at this completely different, and I and you know I hate Watson, but I just think what happened, the, him backing out of this game last second, caused Cleveland to just have kind of a mental fart in this game that caused them to get blown out. I think that, that theory makes plenty of sense. Um, no Bateman, no Odell Beckham. Left tackle hurt before the game starts. Right tackle gets hurt during the game, or I might have that flipped. Um, so both starting tackles, two of your top three receivers. He goes to Andrews has the breakout game. He has a couple of touchdown runs. It was just a huge story coming into the year was like this evolution. Like they invest in Lamar and then they're changing the system. Mm-hmm. And is he not going to run at all? But is he, or is he going to be a true dual threat? Like, High-level passes and high-level runs against the number one DVOA defense in the league with significant injuries to premium positions. I know he didn't throw for 350 yards or anything, but Baltimore has been really banged up this year. Yeah, I, I, I and they're, know. And they're, and they're winning and producing. Like, I, I think we have to give them credit, even no, if I, your theory holds. Like, like, you're talking about something that is like, emotional and wind and sails and like I'm talking about like brass tacks players not on the field they didn't have a lot of key ones on offense and they kicked the shit out of them yeah I mean I I know that's going to make me come off as a hater but I immediately as soon as I found out the timing of the Deshaun Watson injury switched my opinion on this game right away from the Browns winning to the Ravens and hey I've, I've just been preaching here that the the Bengals would be smart to sit Joe Burrow. Okay. But doesn't it tell you something about both guys that Burrow what refuses to be benched and sit down and Watson missed this game today? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) You know, what's his injury? It's a shoulder injury. Did he look like he had an injury last week against the Titans? He had his best game. So when did it happen? I have no idea. Do you know what I mean? Like, if the Bears were playing for first place against the Packers and hours before kickoff, you found out that Justin Fields wasn't playing, that would not – you wouldn't talk about the strangeness of that? Oh, no. I mean, on Monday? Of course you would talk about the strangeness of it, but I, I tend to assume that most NFL players like to play in the NFL. Well, not like, every NFL player is a two hundred million dollar guaranteed contract. Guaranteed where it contract. doesn't matter how they perform. No, that's in true. Those games, that's true. Well, why don't you ask me the next question since this okay. is my team? Because you you abandoned the, you abandoned our team. Chargers and Raiders have the Chargers saved their season. Are you actually going to answer yes on this one? Of course. Oh, God. Of course, I am. Bye week comes at a perfect time. Herbert gets his hand stepped on in the game. They have to take their foot off the gas. 
in this spot, coast to a win and a cover. Thank you very much. No Eckler. Yeah, Aiden, Aiden O'Connell, sure. But no, no, no James, no Bosa, no Eckler. These, this team is devastated by injuries again because they're the Chargers. Get the bye week, get as healthy as they can. And you know what they come back to? The Cowboys on Monday Night Football. That's going to be an incredible game. Win that game, make a statement, get to three and two, be healthy, get rolling. Chargers is the sixth seed in the AFC. The dream is still alive, baby. Let's go. Absolutely. Just win, baby. They took the Raiders mantra and they figured it out while hurt. Absolutely. Perfect win going into the bye week for as healthy. Most teams want a bye week in week nine. This team, because of the Chargers, they're, they've got four of their top seven players already with injury early in the season. They need the week five bye. They, the Chargers actually should get two bye weeks because they get hurt more than every other team in the NFL. So I love the spot that they're in. I can't wait for Monday Night Football in two weeks. Can't wait. Uh, I, I've just um, – I'm so over looking at this team and, like, trying to find small victories. Put Joey Bosa and, I, and, and Derwin James and Austin Eckler out there on this team. It's a good team. Okay, but to me, the we picked this team to win the Super Bowl two years ago. And they got right. hurt. And they got okay. a boob of a coach. Right. So the standard should not be they're on track to make the playoffs yippee. And that's what it sounds like you're doing right now, trying to spin this into they're right where they want to be or they're on the right track. No, they're not. By now, they should be competing for, with the Chiefs for AFC West Championships. They're not. We should be talking about them in in the discussion with the Bills and the Chiefs and the Dolphins. We're not. So until they do something, healthy or not, that makes me start to put them in that category, I'm not going to come on here and talk about them as some darling sleeper dark horse team. I just refuse to do that. You get smitten with them every year, and you're allowing yourself after 0-2 to to do that again, bro. It's just disgusting. It needs to stop. You need help. You really do. You have a Chargers addiction. Plus 100 to make the playoffs right now, baby. Minus 122 on no. Now, why would you word this next one this way? For the Vikings and Panthers, it says, are you surprised by the report that Cousins won't be traded regardless of record? I told you on Thursday that he doesn't want to play for another team. I literally said that on the podcast. I said, I talked to somebody who told me he's going to block a trade to another team because he doesn't want to leave and have to learn a new offense with free agency at the end of the year. So if you listened on Thursday, you are not surprised at all by this. You don't even listen to our own podcast. When the words are coming out of my, my mouth, when I'm giving you proprietary information on something. The F, All man. Right. All right, no, you're right. Let's go to the next topic. You're right. <laughs> Come on now. All right, fine. I put I, t- I put more stock into what Rappaport said. Maybe I wrote this question in there so that you could spike the ball on your proprietary information. Did you ever think about that? Thank you. Yeah. All right, next game. That game sucked. Do you have anything to say about that game? I have nothing. 
Thank you, I have one, Pan- uh, Thank no, you to I the do, Panthers for losing. No, I do. No, I do have one quick thing. If I were on the air, if I were on the air in Charlotte on on Monday more on Monday afternoon, you would take a pay cut. I would say. <laughs> I know the program director there. He's actually a really nice guy. I'm sure he is at, at WFNZ. Yeah, no, I'm, um, sure, I'm, I'm sure he's a. I'm sure he's a great guy. If I were on the air there, I would. I would legitimately say, uh, did we get the third best quarterback in this draft? Yeah, with the number one pick. Again, he needs weapons, man. He. he oh, I know he, that, but Anthony Richardson was down twenty-three to nothing and made some friggin' awesome plays. And I know I said Stroud earlier looks like a system quarterback, but no interceptions in four games and over a thousand yards on pace for a four thousand plus yard season speaks for itself. He's got over twelve hundred yards. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. And this dude's already gotten hurt and hasn't really looked good in any of their four games. The the hope for him though, right, is that like they need he needs like what what Tua has like he he's like quick release, deadly accurate guy. He doesn't have a huge arm. He's not going to do thirty yard out routes. He's not throwing bombs. He's he's you you got you need yard after the catch guys with with Mm -hmm. uh bryce young and he doesn't have it um all right i saw my guy his darkness on twitter pose this question who it's just a pothead chiefs fan that i knew in kansas city and what's the guy's name he goes by his darkness because he's a huge uh dirk nowitzki fan okay great guy great football fan if we did a redraft Right now, where does Puka Nakua go? Is he Before a I answer 10? that, did the Dirkness guy hook you up at the tailgate and give you free food and free drink? And you told him if he did that, you'd give him no. a shout out here. Okay, no, he, right. he lives in LA now. Okay, um, but, I mean, I've been to many a tailgate. He was at the last Chiefs Bears game that I was at at Arrowhead, and uh, when Jamal Charles tore his ACL and he cried in the stands. Hmm. Big Chiefs fan. Uh, I don't even think Nakua would be the first wide receiver that would get picked in a redraft. I think he would yeah. be the third. I think he would be the third wide receiver that would come off the board in a redraft. I think well, Zay Flowers yeah. would go one. I think that uh, Jordan Addison would go two, and I think Nakua would go third with those guys. Why would Addison go before him? Why not? Nakua's. Putting up, he's like basically leads the the NFL in every receiving category. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you ask a question earlier on one of these podcasts that said, "Does this prove that Cooper Cup is just a, a system wide receiver?" I did ask that question. Okay, so yeah. clearly you think that this has something to do with the offense he's in. Yes. Okay. That first of all, that was a couple of games ago. He's built on like so when Cooper Cup comes back. Mm-hmm. Is Puka Nakua no longer going to be playing? Playing? Is he going to be a backup, or do you expect him to be the number two wide receiver on the Rams? I that's a great question. I've got him in a couple fantasy leagues, and I'm very worried about that because they have Atwell there too. And so does Cup just go back into that role? It's a, it's I I honestly struggle with that because I'm not sure, and I think that if you gave Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison, the same. If he was, if they were in that offense, I think they would put up. Maybe not. I don't know. It's hard for me to say that they would put up the same exact numbers because the dude's just been so ridiculous. But he has thirty nine catches I, for five hundred yards. 
I mean, you've watched the guy. I've seen him. Do you, do, do you see him and think he's going to be an all-pro wide receiver? He's that kind of guy? Because I don't yet. Uh, no, but... I think that way with Flowers and Addison. Oh, see, I don't know, man. Like, how about... Like, do I think that Puka Nakua could be a 100-catch guy? Yes, yeah, of course. That's incredibly valuable. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, I watched Juju Smith-Schuster be a 100-catch guy multiple times. And each time I watched him, I thought he's just a byproduct of who's around him in the offense or who he's playing with, whether in Pittsburgh or Kansas City. Okay. Or just if Pru- volume if Puka, guys if, like that. If Puka Nakua was – I'm watching the Chiefs tonight. And I'm thinking they – obviously every team needs Cooper Cup. But they need a guy who can get open immediately. Like the snap throws. Danny, the other two wide receivers who I just said would get drafted ahead of him do the same exact thing. Addison and Flowers get open immediately. You would take you would take Jordan Addison's career over Puka Nakua's career right now. Yes, a hundred percent. I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I feel like this take by you is going to age horribly. <laughs> <laughs> this is like I think there was a guy in in. Um, Kevin Curtis was the dude's name. You remember him? Who was just like a complete one-hit wonder. Oh, Spencer okay. can look up his numbers. Where the dude like just got on fire with his quarterback and just put up like massive, massive numbers. And was a one-hit wonder dude. Like I just, and I don't, Peyton Hillis was another running back like that. Like I just don't. He got on the Madden cover for it though. He did. I just don't, I, I'm, I'm not. First round pick, maybe like I had a Quentin Johnson and uh, guys like that. I would say at this point, probably like, yeah, but geez, top 10 pick, bro. What about Jackson Smith and Jigba? Ahead of him, yeah. Well, he was, I wasn't, he was the 20th pick in the draft, man. So I know, but I wasn't, but it's a pretty big come up for the 107 no doubt but I wasn't draft. high but I wasn't high on Jackson Smith and Jigba I told you I was not high on him I thought no, he was a slot receiver but, did not have but, great speed okay fine but if we're quibbling with he was the 177th pick in the draft and you're saying now he'd be a first round pick and you're saying he would go in front of Quentin Johnston the question, the question was Jigba. top 10 so I tried to give you an honest answer on that dude Okay, I understand, but fine. So I'm like, yeah, maybe he's top 10. And you're like, nah, he's probably more like top 20. And then now you're talking about one-hit wonder. <laughs> There's a big gap. Between. No, I know. It's, yeah, I'd that, say it's, it's I, 500 I yards in four direction. games is impressive. I don't care what system you're in. Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Does Tampa deserve to be the favorite in the NFC South? So I don't know if I'm just like not listening to my own podcast and not remembering. I feel like we have taught, like in the offseason, I was like, should we be talking more about Carolina? They were a seven-win team. They upgraded their coach and their quarterback. And then it's like, well, New Orleans is the favorite, so I guess we got to talk about them. They've got a great, they got a great defense, uh, but we don't like their coach. But you know, Olave and when Kamara comes back, like I guess we got to give the Saints a little bit of respect. And it's like, oh, the Falcons, what a fun team! They had these wins early. They got all these skill position guys, and then here they are. Here's Tampa, sitting atop the NFC South. Do they deserve it? I feel like the answer is, I feel like, why not? Maybe that's well, prisoner of the sco- moment. You scoffed at me on the NFC preview when I said, 
is there I a chance? I thought they were going to be one of the three worst teams in football. I know, but wrong. you scoffed at me when I said, can Baker Mayfield be this year's Geno Smith? I, yeah, I did. I, I'm a known scoffer. Spiegel, Spiegel knows my scoff language very well. And I said, there are some things about his career and the receivers they have there and the weapons they have there that thinks it's at least possible. I didn't predict it. I'm not going to take a victory lap here because I didn't say Tampa Bay was going to win the division. New Orleans was my pick. And the whole, again, talking about quarterbacks, the whole handling of Derek Carr there this week seemed very, like they they were willing to put him out there at 50% rather than play Jameis Winston. They, 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 they want nothing to do with putting Jameis out there apparently in a regular season game. I think Dennis Allen hates his guts. That's why they played Andy Dalton every game last year after Jameis had his uh, back injury. But um, Baker and Mike Evans got hurt in this game. We, I, I have told you that I think New Orleans might have the most underrated defense in the entire league. Hey, they're a... What's their odd? What are their odds to win the division now? Are they have they moved up to the favorite? Dude, they're minus one twenty to make the playoffs. What are they to win the NFC South? Hold on. Are they the favorites? They got to be. No, Saints no? are plus one seventy. They're plus one eighty five. Yeah, all the value's gone. All the value's gone there. But I think, I think it's a three team race. Carolina's out at zero and four. They're not going to make up that. Yeah, I mean Carolina's thirty-one to one, but Saints are plus one seventy, Tampa plus one eighty-five, Atlanta plus two hundred. There, with the defensive holdovers they have, and Bulls can can obviously coach that side of the ball. You're trying to find seven teams in the NFC. They're a very, very, very live dog team to me to make the playoffs. Yeah, like you're I'm, looking for I'm, worst. You're looking for teams that go for double eight. Well, they lost nine games last year. They won the division with Brady, but teams with very low expectations. There's one or two every year that make the playoffs. Uh, I'd be very tempted to take them to win the division right now. That was, that was a, this is low. This is down on the rundown, but that was, that's one of the best wins in the NFL today. What they did at new Orleans with Baker. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry. I put it too low for you. Sorry about that. London game. Your question's about friggin' Toy Story. What are you doing here? You can't give Jags and Falcons more. Oh, I'm sorry. Every team, every game is, let's talk about the Toy Story broadcast. Oh, I'm sorry that that I'm not more interested in this 8.30 a.m. kick that you had to watch on ESPN+. Plus. I can tell you exactly what happened here, okay? Just to, like, peel back and just give our, our viewers and listeners... Just complete and brutal honesty. What happened was Danny watched the Ryder Cup this morning and watched almost none of this game. So he has zero to say about it. So he tries to pass it off as, oh, they did some stupid kids gimmick. So let's talk about that so we can avoid actually talking about what occurred in the game. Because you were watching friggin' Max Homa try to bring the United States back from a big deficit. That's what really what this is about here. Don't bullshit me. You're not you're not that far off. The Ryder Cup is a sweet event. Uh listen, I mean I can give you a football thought on like that the the touchdown that Trevor Lawrence has to Calvin Ridley. It's like, "Oh, that's what he's supposed to be." Like high level, high degree of difficulty, 
crazy poise, crazy arm strength, like superstar capabilities. And then for two quarters of the game, it's like, why is their offense in neutral? Why aren't they doing anything? Why is it one first down and a punt routinely? Uh, they won the game handedly. Ridley got some revenge. Fine. I'm just saying, did you see the graphic of the play on top and then underneath the live animation? They had a chip in every player's shoulder pads. I know. So, so that they could live the animation out of the broadcast. Dude, that is crazy. Put a chip in the ball and let's eliminate the ball and chain. I saw someone tweet that out. Great take. That's a great. Was that his darkness who gave no, up no, with that one too? It wasn't. But I'm just saying, like, that technology blew my mind. There, there's To me, there's two real football points on this game. All right, we'll get to it because we're 66 minutes. The number, one, the number one is with Tennessee's win today, like the Jags actually really needed to win this game, not just for morale or to like, you know, hey, after losing to Houston last week, we got to get our shit together. Like, who are we? But with what the Texans did against the Steelers and what the Titans did against the Bengals, if they're going to win the division, you got to take advantage of the London games you have, whatever home field advantage you get from that because you're used to doing it and and capitalize on it and they're going to get the same thing next week because they get to stay out there and the bills have to travel after that big win they had against miami where they're going to be in a letdown spot and then the second thing is on atlanta they benched marcus mariota last year because they got to a point where just having a quarterback that couldn't complete throws downfield and was more of a runner wasn't good enough or wasn't enough for them and they had the same exact thing in desmond ritter so is that like is that a coaching thing, or or well, what their is system, that? Their system is bizarre. Like they're they're like they're the enemies of the fantasy community because you use top ten picks on London, Pitts, and Bijan, and somehow none of them are the focal points of the offense. Even though right. Bijan had a, had a over 140 yards from scrimmage and had some today. sick runs today too. I mean, he looked like an otherworldly player on some of those plays. Yeah. And I mean, in London, minimal targets again, but a touchdown. Um, those guys are all good. And by the way, based on like the recent quarterback classes, I'm not sure that they really made any huge mistakes uh, on passing on quarterbacks. I thought that they were going to take fields, uh, just given that he's from there. But they, You've been talking about it for years. It's a great spot to. I, I'd like to see a real offensive coach and a real quarterback with those guys before they get old or ha all have to get paid and don't end up staying in it. Because it feels like those three athletes on turf in their athletic prime on rookie contracts, they are just being completely wasted in Atlanta. All right, man. All right, this is too long. Tell a friend. Thank you to Spencer Ray, first in pod. We'll talk to you after uh, Thursday Night Football. Peace.